Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Greetings, comrades. Sorry for the prolonged break in the episodes, but um, yeah, at one point after recording my last one, reality kicked in after, you know, I got my arm checked and I got the results of some other medical tests and I understood that if I want to stay away from my prolonged hospital stay and uh, not experience a massive drop in show's quality, I had to take a medical break for a bit. Visit all the doctors, get all the pills done, and have some rest. So, sorry about that, but, you know, I have to be a bit more fixed to keep going. But now we are back, and hopefully better than before. Let's start with our usual best enemy of the show, Igor Girkin, and his look on the situation on the front lines. This time I have to give a special thank you to Twitter user at mdmitri91, an Estonian Baltic bro, Dmitri, who lives in the UK and who's taken up translating Girkin and other lesser-known sources, which, well, makes my life so much easier because, yeah, now I kind of don't have to spend a lot of hours translating everything myself. So, hey, thanks, Dmitri, and keep up the good work. To those of you who are new here or just need a reminder about why we are using Igor Girkin as a source so much, see Igor Strelkov Girkin is a Russian army veteran and a former FSB officer who, well, played an extremely key role in the annexation of Crimea by the Russians and later in the war in Donbas as a leader of the separatist groups of various people's republics. He basically was running the whole show and he led the mercs from Russia, he was a very influential figure. He's also a war criminal, being responsible for the shootdown of Malaysia Airlines Flight 17. He's an unapologetic Russian chauvinist and an imperialist. He despises Putin and the current Russian government for being too liberal and tied up with the West. Girkin supports the recreation of Russian Empire and thinks that everything that at some point was either in the Soviet Union or Tsarist Russia should be reconquered for some abstract greatness. So, you know, when he says something is bad, those are not like propaganda coming from pro-Ukrainian side. This is, this is the real stuff. So, here we go. Quote. It's difficult for me right now to answer questions of what's new on the front lines. Almost everywhere on the front lines there are battles. Some are positional, elsewhere offensive, and more often than not, defensive. In general, everywhere except for Donetsk and Kharkiv, the front line is stable. Both us, 
he means Russians, obviously, you know, and Ukrainians are entrenching. And this is very bad for Russia. Why? Because in a month or a month and a half ago, the enemy only had mobile defense in Nikolaev and Krivirich directions. Now they're actively building fortified positions at the front lines and in their near rears, which we will then need to be capturing for a long time and with huge losses. Just like Mariupol, Popasnya, Izium, Rubizhe and Severodonetsk. We will again need to wage fierce bloody fights for each village, every grove and every high-rise. Pay with Russian blood for every few hundred meters conquered. And there will be none to question about it. This all happened naturally as it is always meant, which is certainly not the case. At the start of the operation, the Russian Federation Armed Forces actually demonstrated highly maneuverable actions, deep strategic breakthroughs for tens and even hundreds of kilometers. They ended up with nothing for reasons I've already described and called out many times. Initially a completely inaccurate evaluation of operational situation, which was used as the basis for combat planning, and linked to this evaluation a severe lack of resources and means to hold on and control the conquered territory. Nevertheless, despite the resulting shocking half-failure in the south, no run to the border has happened of the first stage of the operation, it appeared much more lively compared to this second concrete mere concrete phase of everything than the body push-pull which the hostilities have become since the end of April and until now. Simply because, in the first stage, there was no conscious, purposeful and even famed, famed in advance by near-military experts sticking of the army into a strategic deadlock. The military decisions were courageous and aimed at achieving a decisive victory. Now, however, even the total success, which is not expected in the near future, of the second stage, at best, will lead to costly, in terms of personnel and vehicle losses, fairly small territorial gains achieving by pushing out the enemy from Donbass territory. Let's, let's imagine for a second that in the next few weeks the enemy will be, after all, defeated through continuous frontal and flank attacks and completely pushed out of the Lugansk and Donetsk borders. And what will this achieve? Will this end the war? No, not at all. At best, it will reduce the front line, not more. Let's say the enemy suffers heavy losses. They do now, but in those weeks they will be able, thanks to continuing mobilization, to, to prepare new fresh reserves. Moreover, they already have these reserves. The enemy is so confident in the strategic stability of their front line, abandoning one, two localities in two, three days has no effect on this, that they continue keeping a relatively large group at the border of Transnistria and even created a new several army BTGs at the border with Belarus. And they continue forming new units and detachments both in deep rear and also in Sumy and Chernyiv oblasts given up by Russian forces during the run to the border. Thus, when the weakened and heavy fights and bloody assaults troops reach the borders of LDPR, they will be met by fresh and well-equipped Ukrainian armed forces units at frontiers prepared for defense and advance. And even if those fresh units, for whatever reason, decide not to take over the initiative and begin a counteroffensive, one or more, Still, the Russian Federation will face a perspective of a long positional war which is nearly fatal in current conditions to our economy, social and socio-political situation. But, I'll be honest, receiving quite a lot of messages from the field, from soldiers, junior and middle commanders, enough to create an appro approximate mosaic of the general situation on the front lines, I personally have no significant hopes that the objective of fully clearing the Donbass will be complete by at least mid-June. Moreover, I presume, with high level of probability, that it will not be completed until the very point when, you not, when Ukrainian armed forces will try to overtake the strategic initiative by beginning the planned, right this moment, offensive operations. And yes, the most dangerous direction, I believe, is Kherson. That's near Crimea, that's a comment from me. That's just, uh, just above the Crimean Peninsula over there in the south. Since that's exactly where, and the enemy knows it very well, defending 
are the same in terms of equipment and training elements of Donetsk reservists, which, just those were from Luhansk, the enemy has already pushed out to the Russian border in Kharkiv Oblast. At the same time, the Donetsk militia will undoubtedly put up a fight, and the fight will be fierce, but their weaponry and equipment leave much to be desired, just like their leadership, if not less. Although, I've probably said too much. But let's say the enemy, that's the Ukrainians, that is, of course, for whatever reason decided not to attack, and will limit the sitting on the newly created defensive positions, offering our generals to continue smashing their soldiers' foreheads against numerous fortresses. What will the high command do in this case? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. After all, without breaking through the newly created and occupied by large enemy forces positions, there'll be no defeat of the Ukrainian armed forces. And without defeating Ukrainian armed forces, there will be no final victory. Regardless of how many calibers you launch at the rear facilities, they still won't be enough to fully paralyze the Ukrainian transport network and destroy the economy to the ground. Especially it's meaningless to hope for victory through attrition, taking into account that almost all of Europe and North America are acting as a rear for, United, for Ukrainian armed forces. Thus, it'll be necessary to try and defeat the enemy in field battles. And excuse me, with whom and with what? If so far, not even the partial mobilization has, be, has been carried out. No one is giving clear answers to these questions, simply because there aren't any. And uh, here I'd like to interject a small comment from myself because about the mobilization. See, this is because of the strategy Putin has chosen. If you look at the casualties coming from the Russian army, you can see that most of the, cons most of the soldiers under contract, the enlisted ones, they come from the very poorest regions of Russia, with poor connections to outside, outside to the mainland and everything. So it's Buryatia, it's Tiva and all, all these places. And the thing is, those are regions where the poorest people live and they have like almost no contacts and their lives are terrible and no one will really miss them. And this model is not scalable simply because, well, there's not enough people living there. And a lot of, lot of, lot of contestation will begin and, you, and like the situation will become unpredictable inside of Russia if he mobilizes. Like, this has happened before, so Putin, no matter how, you know, no matter how Girkin wants the mobilization, I highly doubt Putin will carry it out in any reasonable way if he didn't do it already in the 9th of May, so I don't think we can expect that. Uh, continuing on with the Girkin. While the pests in the president's entourage will be assuring him that everything is fine, everything is fine, don't stress, nothing will change. And when it does change, unfortunately, the surprises are likely to be no less discouraging than before the run to the border. It'll be too late to do anything. In the meantime, in the meantime, in general terms, South of Isium, units of the Russian Federation Armed Forces and LDPR are still bashing head-on against the Ukrainian defenses on the approaches to the Slovyansk-Baravenko Highway and to Slovyansk itself. In the last couple of days, there is no information about progress. 
Heavy battles with the slow advance are taking place north of Popansia and south of Lichansk. There is no discussion of any cauldron for the enemy in this area yet. So far only a possible bag with a very wide neck is appearing, which our fighters will still need to tie up, and the enemy is well aware of this. The, United, the Ukrainian armed forces are not led by morons, but by specialists from NATO. Oh yeah, this is the reasonable point. Again, since Girkin and uh, mostly a lot of these pro-war Russians actually think that it's a hidden war against NATO that goes well in their propaganda machine. Also, slowly our troops are encircling the city of Liman, Krasny Liman, and trying to break through to Svitogorodsk. Near, Don near Donetsk, fierce attacks continue northeast of Avdiivka and southeast of Khorlivka, in the area south of Marinka. I have no information about the progress in the last 24 hours, so far at least. In Mariupol, the final surrender of Azovstal by the enemy and the capture of the group defending is a major propaganda success. But in overall picture, it's a delayed consequence of the relative success of the first stage of the operation and not the second concrete one. In real time and from a military point of view, this also is unfortunately a purely tactical success, no more. As a general conclusion, our successes are still exclusively tactical in nature. The enemy is trying to keep all large settlements important in the military and informational propagandist sense, and apparently has enough strength and reserves to hope for success in this. If not complete success, then at least partial. The attrition battle, as I have repeatedly noted, as a military decision I rate it no higher than the Arctic. In the Donbass continues and the strategic impasse for the Russian Federation Armed Forces, but not for Ukrainians who are gaining time, is getting deeper. So this is what Igor Girkin has to say about all the situation. And he mentioned Azov Stalia and Azov forces there. And yes, there have been exchanges and there have been wounded Azov soldiers and everyone, you know, leaving the place and there have been some evacuations. However, there is uh, some interesting situation con concerning all of this situation, because for one, these wounded soldiers were taken to Russia. And no doubt they'll be used in propaganda. Those who are happy for them being evacuated, yes. But rest assured that it's quite likely that in the near future we'll see someone of these soldiers, or more of them even, some more of them, being dragged out to Russian propaganda sites and sites everywhere because, you know, they'll get probably beaten up, tortured, pumped with various chemicals, you know, like, I don't know how effective is the so-called truth serum, but you'll definitely see in the news some of these guys who are wounded, being taken and used for Russian propaganda, where they will claim all sorts of monstrosities that Azov has done, they'll, you know, knowing how much Russia lies about everything and how their propaganda machine works, I don't know, there could be basically admittances that they've even built a whole altar for Hitler and that they actually wanted to, you know, do all sorts of nastiness. It's going to be, it's going to be full on horrible. They need someone like this. For example, right now in Sevastopol, Crimea, that's, well, you know, they, they have made a kind of a whole photography exhibition over there. And they now show pictures of bombed Mariupol and everything with, with kind of writings underneath that. And this is where evil Nazis bombed their own houses and all that nonsense. So they would like to get them somewhere out there. And uh, I'm pretty sure that some of the, well, useful idiots will be grabbing this information that comes out and actually believing it. This is a popular tactic, after all, you know, and in, in, in previous years we've seen Belarusians use it and Russians use it as well. Remember how when uh, Lukashenko captured that plane, well, forced it to land and then captured the opposition guy who was in, inside that plane? Yeah, he also made him 
made him basically talk in front of the camera and admit in being a terrorist and uh, in being, well, all sorts of things. So, quite probably this will happen. We will continue, of course, watching how the whole situation unfolds. And uh, a longer episode is prepared. Because, you know, this channel started out as kind of a people's stories thing. And, uh, oh boy, we have found some interesting people and their interesting stories about this war. From a personal aspect. That is, uh, well, being scripted now by me and will be probably out quite soon enough. So, well, be aware of this and uh, thank you for listening. Also, if you could consider becoming our patron, please, patreon.com slash the eastern border, or just click the little money icon on on our Twitter page at eastern underscore border. Well, of course, follow us there as well, since, well, we want to reach 20,000 followers and get out some real information about the war. So if you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're on Twitter, please consider following us and retweeting because, well, we really would like to grow the channel a bit more. And also, thank you to everyone once again for listening and for your kind patience. Donate to Ukrainian military and do uh, Remember, happiness is mandatory. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.